if you have your Bible, let's open to Mark chapter number 16. Mark chapter number 16. And uh, as you uh, open your Bible there at uh, very early that Easter morning, the, that first day, and you look and you say, what little grass grew in the, uh, in the, in the climate was moist in the morning's dew, the cool air of the spring breeze through the, the blossoming branches of nearby trees, the sun crept slowly over the mountains before spilling its light to the rolling desert of, of Palestine and the, the bright morning star still could be seen in the northern sky as a symbol of hope, a, a sign that something better had loomed on the horizon. But for a small band of women, they're making their way to the tomb. They're on their way to the tomb, and uh, the tomb of Jesus, hope was in short supply. They, uh, the, they weren't there. Their spirits had been crushed by the same nails that pierced the hands and feet of Jesus. They were discouraged, disheartened, defeated. And what they wanted more than anything else was to see Jesus one last time. To honor him by anointing his body with spices and perfumes. And uh, the first century equivalent of laying flowers at the grave. But they, as they walked that long, lonely path to the tomb, it, it kind of dawned on them. I'm pretty sure none of us are guilty of doing this kind of thing. So let's look there in Mark chapter number 16 and, and begin in verse number 1. It says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had uh, brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Now I, I kind of looked at that and I've been thinking about this for a little bit and I thought of these poor ladies and it sounds like something, now that my wife's walked out I can say this, something that she would do to me. Get me up really early in the morning without a plan. Without a plan. What are we going to, we're going to get there and what are we going to, we're going to supply, we're going to, we're going to anoint the body of Jesus today. And how, it dawned on them all of a sudden, how are we going to get in the tomb? Now, you and I have some advantage. We're here a couple thousand years later and we're going, I know the story, Pastor. I know what's, what happened. But does that not sound like something that too many of us are guilty of? We start the day out and we're on the way to realize, wait a minute. I didn't bring what I needed to do what needs to be done. I didn't have, I didn't, we didn't think this thing through. And so here they are. Who's going to roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Well, they already knew that it was a large stone, and it had already been rolled away. Whew. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. 
Now I can walk through and I can look at this from the point of view of those ladies that were just a minute ago going, how are we going to move the stone? And we could have a lot of fun with those ladies. I, I thought about it all week long. Actually, I thought about it about a month ago. I was sitting there dwelling on it, and I said, that's just too funny. Uh, they came without knowing what they're going to do, and they left being afraid to talk. Now, RJ laughed. He must work with a bunch of ladies. Be careful. You get yourself in trouble with the one beside you. you look at it and you go wait a minute here they are they've come to 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 the sepulcher and you say there's a there's a young man sitting there that tells them hey don't be afraid don't be afraid be not afraid you seek Jesus he was crucified he's risen he is not here and all of a sudden I shout hallelujah I can't help it I look at that and I go that just helps me so much to look and to say wait a second here they are and who's going to roll that stone away? And two of these women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, had seen where the body had been placed. They knew that the stone was there They rolled that was rolled across the entrance of the tomb. So they approached the grave site. They remembered the stone. They realized they can't move it on their own. And the stone itself probably weighed several, several hundred pounds and would have possibly have to be rolled uphill in order to get it out, to get it moved. Uh, out of the way, out of the rut in the ground, and even all of the women together may not have been able to budget. And as far as they were concerned, it was an insurmountable object. It was an obstacle in the way. And uh, we look and you go, there's that obstacle. But most of us know what that's like when we really look and begin to narrow in. What does an obstacle look like? What is that obstacle that we have. We all have huge obstacles. Maybe obstacles to happiness or an obstacle to joy or an obstacle to, in our marriage or, or in our family, maybe even in our jobs. There are huge obstacles. We know the size, the shape, the circumference of our so stones. Our, our stones don't cover an entrance of a, a tomb in Jerusalem. Rather, our paths are blocked by boulders. Maybe boulders of uh, unemployment or abandonment, abuse or addiction. We, we face insurmountable objects of uh, obstacles of, of debt, divorce, drunkenness, and depression. Or people have bills they can't pay, grades they can't make, people they can't please, pornography they can't resist, and a past they can't shake, and a future they can't face. And we look at it and you go, wait a minute, come at it from any angle you choose, use whatever tool you wish, you can't budget. You can't get rid of it. You can't just move it over. You can't get over it. You can't go around it. You can't move it. Not even an inch, but Jesus can. Jesus can. See, Jesus can do for us what he did for Mary, what he did for Peter, James, and Thomas. Their, their lives were forever changed because he rolled the stone away. Their lives were forever changed. When, when you look, that stone represented the fears and the failures of Jesus' closest friends. His resurrection personally and powerfully impacted the lives of those who knew him and loved him. It rolled away the stones that hindered their faith as well as their future. See, other than the stone blocking the entrance to his tomb, Jesus moved no less than five other stones that day. You look at him and you go, five other stones? There's only one that I see in there. And Well, he moved five other stones. Let's go back to Mary and the other women at the tomb and to say these women were discouraged would be an understatement, wouldn't it? 
When it, that would be a, an understatement. They were devastated, heartbroken. They believed in Jesus. They put their faith in him. All their hopes and dreams rested in a man they believed was God in human flesh, but he died. The ground beneath the old rugged cross was, was tingled, tinged red and with blood of the blood of God, and they weren't the only ones feeling discouraged. Think about the other followers. Think about the disciples who had disappeared and, and they were disappointed and disillusioned. How about the disciples walking to the road of Emmaus and, and, and uh, spoke for uh, all of them when they said, we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to take care of all of this. And anytime you start talking about hope in past tense, start talking about hope in, in, in a past tense. See, a soul without hope is like a, a body without food. You can identify with all of these disciples. Have you ever had your hopes crushed right in front of you? Ever had your hopes just crushed in front of you? We, we all have hopes and dreams and the hope that we, we might meet the, the perfect man or perfect woman and get married. Thank you, Brother Danny. <laughs> that perfect man, that perfect woman, they don't exist. Those that are married go, amen, I'm married to them. All right? They don't exist. You look and you go, wait a minute, we have this, this perfect picture. We hope that uh, to get our, uh, out of debt, we hope to escape our stress, we hope to, to be healed of some disease or disability, we, we hope that we don't have to, to take medication the, the rest of our lives. And when those dreams go unfulfilled, our hopes are shattered, it's discouraging. Sometimes it's devastating, but when Mary and the others saw their risen Savior, it changed everything. The Bible tells us in John 20, 20, it says this, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed. Now, I just have to say, when I, uh, I, I see different people and, and I see how they respond, how they respond, I, I get tickled uh, as to, to watch it. I like to watch people, and when some people get excited, they go, woo! They get excited. There's just a little woo. And, and they control it. And then there's those folks that they get excited. They get excited. Now, I just, I think it's too funny. We were out and about shopping yesterday. And uh, I said, uh, I was teasing with the girls. I said, people get excited different ways. And we're going to do a little experiment. And we're going to have some fun. And uh, so we went. And uh, I did it on purpose. I picked ladies. You ladies got picked on yesterday. Because men don't ever respond real well. They're like, ugh. So we went ahead. And so we went, and, and I waited, and I waited till the lady quit pumping and uh, got ready to, to pump her gas. And, and uh, I told, I had one of the girls walk over and say, we want to buy your gas. Now, we did this when they were little, but now they're older. <laughs> Dad, we don't want to do this. This is embarrassing, Dad. And I said, no, it's going to be fun. I said, you're using dad's money. We're just going to do it. It was so funny. The, they, they walked up to the one lady, and she goes, we want to buy your gas. How much gas do you need? The lady goes, a full tank. <laughs> now, guess who got excited over here in the other car that could hear this going on? It was me. Whoop! I'm glad it was a small car. It wasn't one of them big cars that's going to take 25 gallons. This is a small car. We're all right. 
Phew, I got, you know, you're looking at it. But it was so funny because she says a whole tank and uh, a whole eight gallons worth in this little itty bitty car that she had. And uh, it was funny because she goes, you want to buy my gas? Her whole voice, I mean, it went up an octave as she was singing. Uh, she didn't sing, Miss Rachel, but her whole voice went up an octave. And you went, man. She responded, why? You could tell there was a little bit of an excitement there. Somebody bought my gas. I would love to hear the story when she got home and she says, I got 20 bucks in my pocket because somebody bought my gas. <laughs> I would have loved it. That would have been great. We went somewhere else. We stopped at another station and we pulled up beside them and I said, I said, there's one, there's one. And, uh, and it was funny because I made the other daughter participate with this one. <laughs> Dad's mean person. And I said, all right, here we go. And they go up. We won't buy your gas. And this lady, we picked the right person. I, you'd have thought I was picking people to be on the prices right. I am telling you what. Because, you know, they pick people because of their excitement on the prices right. That's how they get on the show. And it's so funny because all of a sudden you look and this lady, we'd like to buy your gas. You won't buy my gas. Woo! I mean, she got excited. And I thought, you know, that's just way too funny because I, I'm going, this is not the way those things normally, you kind of go, they usually go, you want to buy my gas, really? And these two ladies, they were in, all in. Go ahead and buy my gas. I'll, you, you Please buy my gas. And uh, it's just way too funny. And I look at this portion of scripture and I go, look at this. How we respond is amazing. When there's no hope, we go, oh, we get beaten. We're downtrodden. We're discouraged. We hope to, to escape. We hope something will heal. We, 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 but wait a minute. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I can see them getting excited. If they were going on their way to the tomb and realized, wait a minute, i got to move this crazy stone, how excited it must have been. How exciting it must have been. Number one, I don't have to move that stone. The men would be rejoicing on that one. But you know, as I, we walk through, you look and you say, Mary and the others, they saw a risen Savior. It changed everything. See, the disciples seeing the Master with their, their eyes, they were, one version says, exuberant. That's a proper term for that overjoy. Exuberant. I can see somebody getting excited and doing a little dance in there. Their joy. See, Jesus made all the difference in the moment. They went from a hopelessness, depression, to joyful, thrilling, and overflowing. Not left empty. See, when we put our faith in Jesus, we'll never experience a lack of hope. Psalm 22 and verse number 5, the scripture says, They trusted you and were never disappointed. Apart from, from Christ, life is full of, of disappointments. It's full of discouragements. But Jesus gives hope. See, when we hang our hopes on the things of this world, we're only building castles that are made in sand. That are built in sand. And when our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, we're standing on solid ground and we'll never be disappointed. Jesus rolls away the stone in discouragement. But secondly, Jesus rolls away the stone in dread. You remember what happened to all the disciples when Jesus was arrested? They ran. 
they ran. They abandoned Jesus. In the time of need uh, uh, the, of the 12 disciples handpicked by Jesus, only one even had the courage to follow him to the cross. And, and of course, uh, after Jesus was crucified, they were even more terrified. They were certain that they were next. In fact, the Bible says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Confused and fearful, the disciples stayed close together, hiding from authorities and, and huddled behind locked doors. Jesus had told them to meet him in Galilee, but they wouldn't go. They were paralyzed by fear. And fear does that to us, doesn't it? It freezes us in our tracks. Fear closes the windows and locks the doors. Fear is a prison of our own making. It keeps us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. Many of us have a fear of rejection that keeps us from sharing our faith. I'm afraid somebody won't like what I have to say. Or a fear of, of intimacy that prevents people from, from, from a, a marriage that's being meaningful in a relationship. Or the fear of failure that keeps us from trying anything new. See, as the disciples cowered behind these locked doors, Jesus appeared to them. And the Bible says that Jesus came. He stood right in the middle of them and said, Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Their fear was transformed into faith. The next thing you know, these same fearful followers are out in the city streets, in the, in the synagogues, boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. They went from hiding behind locked doors to boldly proclaiming, He's alive. What made the difference? Maybe it was the promise Jesus gave him when he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Maybe uh, centuries earlier, God had said to Joshua, don't, don't, don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Or whatever challenges we meet or whatever obstacle we face, we don't have to be afraid because we're not alone. We can walk through cancer or Alzheimer's or car crashes, a failing economy, a floundering 401k, teen pregnancy, crime, disasters, natural disasters. Come what may, Jesus is a risen Lord. He's alive. He's by our side. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. One of those favorite verses in all of Scripture, right? He's not going anywhere. He's with us. And the words... Of the hymnist E.A. Huffman, he said, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. So Jesus rolls away the stone of discouragement. He rolls away the stone of dread. Thirdly, he rolls away the stone of doubt. See, Thomas, he missed this first appearance of Christ. While the others were meeting behind locked doors, Thomas was off on his own. No one really knows why. But there sure has been chastisement for it. Doubting Thomas, we call him. How many of us might have been like Thomas did? How many of us might have been questioning? The Bible says one of the disciples, Thomas, he wasn't with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't, I'm not going to believe till I see the nail prints. Till I see the nail prints. Till I can put my fingers in and place my hand in the wound on his side. See, Thomas was a skeptic. He, he wouldn't believe until he saw 
the evidence. Who he saw. Now Thomas has taken a lot of criticism for his doubts, but he certainly isn't the only person to doubt the, the Christian faith. Maybe you have some doubts of your own, because it's, it's all right to doubt as long as we're willing to follow the evidence and where the evidence leads. I can't help when I think of a doubter, I can't help but think of a, of a man by the name of Lee Strobel. He definitely doubted. His wife come to know Jesus as Savior, and, and he was an investigative editor of the Chicago Tribune and a, and a confirmed atheist. That is, until his wife became a Christian. And as her faith grew, he saw so many changes taking place, he was afraid that he was going to lose her. He was afraid he was going to lose her, so in, in realizing he's not going to change her mind, he set out on a, on a mission to investigate Jesus Christ. His goal was at first was to prove to his wife that Jesus was not the Son of God, but things didn't go exactly as he planned. Matter of fact, he used his resources at the Tribune to contact scholars and historians from around the globe, investigating the reliability of Jesus' biographies, the extra-biblical uh, attestation of, of uh, the life and the works of Jesus, but everything hinged on the resurrection. It all came to one point. If Jesus really died and came back three days later, then that validated everything he ever said. It proved that he is who he claimed to be. The evidence was ir irresistible. After nearly two years of investigation, he sat down at his, at his desk with his legal pad and he drew a line right down the middle. And on one side he wrote all the evidence against Jesus being the Son of God. And on the other side he wrote all the evidence for Jesus to be the Son of God. Overwhelmed by his discoveries, he gave his heart to Jesus right then and there. Thomas did the same thing. Upon the evidence, seeing Jesus with his own eyes, Thomas fell to his knees. My Lord, my God. Said the Lord. My Lord, my God. The resurrection of Jesus moves the sting of death. We get to questioning get to doubting, he moves that stone away. Jesus rolls away the stone of defeat. We all know what it is to fail. Many of us know the, the heartache of a, of a failed marriage or the heartache of a failed career or a feel that we've uh, uh, failed as a mom or a dad or, or as a child and, and feel that we, we failed our parents. And Peter knew that it was what it was to fail. You think about Peter, he was simple yet a passionate follower of Jesus. And on the night Jesus was arrested, he was all in. Jesus said, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. Peter said, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. In John 13, he was all in. I like Peter. He was an all in kind of guy. He wasn't just a, well, you know, let's let's tiptoe on the water. He's, he's no, 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 no. Remember, Peter's the one who got out of the boat. You know, Peter's the one who stepped out when other people wouldn't step out. And here's Peter. Once again, he's saying, <laughs> here I am. And he's an all or nothing kind of guy, but 
by surprise, what is it that Jesus tells him? You're going to deny me three times by morning. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. You know the scripture. You know that Peter did exactly what Jesus said. He denied him all three times. I've often wondered when the Bible tells us that, that he denied the third time. The scripture tells us that he looked at Jesus. Peter began to weep. I wonder if we looked in the eyes of Jesus today. If you and I looked into his eyes. What would we find? Peter knew him. Peter had walked with him. Peter loved him. Peter denied him. I'd like to say, well, I'm better than that. There's, there's that defeat and you think anybody's defeated how about when he was looking at Jesus you realize Peter failed Jesus when it counted the most when Jesus was crucified Peter's failure hung over his head like a dark cloud <clears throat> ready to quit even after Jesus came back from the dead, Peter still, I could see him feeling like a failure. Rather than head toward Galilee like he was supposed to, Peter went back to what he knew best. He went back to fishing. He went back to fishing. They fished all night with no success. <laughs> Suddenly, Jesus shows up. He says, cast your nets. Then he sits down on the beach to share breakfast with them. <laughs> Jesus asked Peter three times, what do you love me? What do you love me? And each time Peter said yes, and the last word that Jesus spoke to Peter exactly the same as the first one. Peter got a second chance and later became the preacher of Pentecost where 3,000 souls were saved. See, if you like, uh, if maybe you and I are more like Peter than we care to admit, and we've had failure too. Been defeated. You realize Jesus offers another chance. No matter how great our mistakes, no matter how stupid we might think we are, it doesn't matter because he wants to give us another chance. He's the, the Lord of the second chance. He never counts anyone out. He rolls away the stone of defeat. He gives us another opportunity at life. I still like the old Nikes one. I don't care for some of the newer ones, but I like this one. A voice came over the television that says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the winning shot. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and 
that is why I had 16 kids. Those words were spoken by Michael Jordan. My kids said it's on Peyton Manning. He's the best basketball player who ever played. And I said, without a question, it's Michael Jordan. Some of you go, oh, no. Some of those young kids, they want to argue that one. And I go, oh, no. But you know what? Just because we've been defeated in the past doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean it's time to give up or to quit. Jesus rolls away the stone of defeat. And finally, Jesus rolls away the stone of death. Paul said, the last enemy that shall be destroyed since the Garden uh, of Eden, death has been the arch enemy of humanity, and death always wins. See, the odds that you'll eventually die in a car crash are 1 in 125. Makes everybody ready to go home today. See, I could preach longer, but that's okay. The chance of you dying in a fire are 1 in 4 million. One in four million, and yet I know a four-year-old that lit, a, lit stuff on fire in their dining or in the uh, in the laundry room just a week ago. He was smart enough to get water on it, but that created just havoc. Mom and Dad were were shook to their core when they woke up to find out that he had burnt stuff all over the dry washer and dryer, and water was tracked all the way out in, and he went back to bed after he'd done that didn't wake mom and dad up. One in four million odds, he says, we were beating some odds that day. Do you know that the odds of dying are one on one? Just the point another way. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. Death's inescapable. It comes to every living thing. And for thousands of years, death has stalked its prey with exact precision its success rate is still low oh but we do everything to avoid it don't we oh the older we get the better we eat didn't think about it when we were young oh it's time to lose weight right we're getting older it's time to lose weight we're going to eat better we're going to change our lifestyle I'm not going to jump off of stuff like I used to not going to do that. I could go on and on and on and how we do everything we can. How many of you have changed your driving habits as you've grown a little older? I mean, and is it because the law slowed you down or you just all of a sudden went, hmm, I probably shouldn't drive like that anymore. Because what are we doing? We're preserving ourselves. Pastor, that's not very kind. But you know what? Death's success rate is still one out of one, 100%, until Jesus conquered death through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. See, his resurrection from the dead changes everything. Paul put it this way. He said the fact that, that Christ has been risen from the dead or he raised from the dead, he has become the first in the great harvest of those that will be raised again we can look in 1 Corinthians and go my faith is worth it why? because he lives I live because he lives I don't have to fear death anymore 
See, I like this idea. See, uh, for a long time, you look at it and you go, wait a minute, if I died before I come to know Jesus as Savior, I'm not going to spend eternity in heaven. But if I die with Jesus, I'm going to spend eternity, all of eternity with him. That is life and it's everlasting life. That's an exciting life. That is uh, stretching out there. See, although Jesus' ministry and all through his ministry, he promised one thing that no one else could offer, and that was eternal life. That's what Jesus came to this world to offer. We see it in John 10.10 when he said that, that I have come, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Adam's sin allowed death to claim every human life. Christ's death challenged that claim, nullified it by the resurrection. We're able to say, he's not here, he's risen. We're able to look at it and go, ha he's alive. He's not dead, he's alive. I look at it and I say, look, look at the, the, just the simple fact that Adam gave us death, Jesus offers life. So in other words, real life can only be found in Jesus Christ. What's the scripture tell us? That there's no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved. Through Jesus Christ. See, at conception we receive as, as part of our human inheritance. I don't have to teach your children to be rotten. <laughs> she only says that because I taught her kids how to ride a mattress down the road. <laughs> yes, we did that. Sunday morning and I confess that publicly there you go you happy now I don't have to teach them to be rotten we were teasing about your children Chase before you ever walked in the building I love Lily I love her from the time she's about two she walks in the building and takes command. I might be the preacher and I could be preaching and she opens the back door and everything stops. I don't care who else is, uh, just stop. I've actually figured out just stop. Let her go, I'm here. And everybody goes, oh, she's so cute. I love it. She comes in, and then all of a sudden, you can tell. Chase and Angela, they haven't had such a great time in the morning. They're still dragging themselves in. I don't have to teach her. Oh, you didn't have to teach her to be rotten, though, either, did we? Not at all. Not at all. I think it's funny watching their littlest one, CJ, run around. He's shaking his head no now. And I'm going, Chase, you're getting everything you deserve. We only say this because of that, that movie that came out a few years ago. He's got a mini-me, and it's for real. Woo! You deserve that one. We don't have to teach them to be rotten. They get it naturally. That sin nature, all the way back in the book of Genesis, that sin nature was there. And now all of a sudden we come along and you go, wait a minute. Guess what? There's a rescue. There's a rescue. And his name is Jesus. He rose from the dead. 
and I can be excited about it. I told the girls yesterday, I said, you know what? I feel like we ought to start a movement. We ought to start a movement. I told, I said, I, I feel like we need to start a movement. I feel like when we walk out of church, I need to walk out of church going, I'm ready, you ready? I'm ready, you ready? You say, Pastor, that sounds cool. I'm ready, are you ready? You say, that sounds kind of crazy, and I can see lots of people going, huh? What are you ready for? Well, let me tell you what I'm ready for. He's coming, and he's coming soon. See, he's promised us when he came back the first time that he's coming again. See, what is it that we found in Acts, just a few chapters over in the book of Acts, and you look in chapter 1, and you look and you say, what were they doing? They were gazing at Jesus. When he went back, he ascended back to the Father. And how exciting. How exciting, because why? Why do you stand here gazing? He told you he's coming again. And what is it that you find Paul wrote to Timothy when he said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. Roll a stone away. Roll a stone away. I don't know what stone we feel likes to drop on us. There have been a lot. I can look over this year and I could probably name a few that we feel like I know you know some of them don't you? I've been carrying them. It got dropped on me. that opportunity an opportunity to come and say Lord here's here's the stone that has been the weight in my life he stands ready to move ours if we'll only surrender if we'll only surrender if we'll only surrender as we come to him today